one of you is the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a, a very, very British, British horror. horror. Tell me, Paul, what are we going to talk about today? We're talking about the 1973 film. It's 1973. I think uh, made in 1972, released in yes. 1973. Um, and now the screaming starts, which quite often happens just after we start recording with us. <laughs> Usually when one of us tries to make a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's just now the, the, the groaning and starts. Yeah, but it becomes screaming and they realise now the face palming starts. And uh, yeah, anyway. Let's try and get some facts into this podcast. That's what people want, they want facts. Do they? Okay. Yeah, this film was made in well we well, we covered that. It was made by the Amicus Studio. <coughs> yep. Hammer's great rival. And it was directed by Roy Ward Baker and starred Peter Cushing, or claims to star Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, shall we start with a rundown of the plot? Um, yeah, why not? We'll do that quickly. Okay, so you've got Stephanie Beecham, in it, and she plays, I forget, what's the character's name? I forget. Okay. <laughs> I was the first. Okay, it's don't, set, don't worry. I'm on the facts. It's set in 1795, isn't it? Which which is quite Catherine. A, which is a bit of a departure um, for these sorts of films because normally they're they're kind of Victorian. Well, so I think that's quite it, quite unusual, isn't it, to be set in that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it starts with a really lovely bit of music. I, yeah. I was quite impressed. Yeah. And, really a, and a voiceover. The vo- yeah, the voiceover. Which is, yeah. This is the Stephanie Beecham voiceover. Yeah, yeah just to say, I, I was a new bride, I was going towards my yeah. new home of Fen Griffin, and uh, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe it's because I wonder if someone saw the opening, which has a lovely um, picture of, it's a lovely outdoor scene, it's bright and sunny, and there's the, the, the big stately home that she's just moving to, and it all looks really lovely. And I do wonder if someone looked at it and thought, yeah, that's not scary enough. Let's have a voiceover where she kind of fills everyone with dread. Well, and of course, the big stately home is none other than Oakley Court. Next door to Bray Studio is Hammer, Hammer's home. Yeah. But Hammer had moved out yeah. several years previously. Yeah. So uh, it was fair game. So they and, went. and Amicus stole <laughs> stole the Hammer House of Horror, effectively. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I actually thought it was a hotel for a number of years. Stayed okay. there a couple of times. Yeah. Um, the last time I was there, which was just before it went bankrupt, or actually I booked it just before it went bankrupt, then got a letter saying I was now a creditor. <laughs> but <laughs> luckily they honoured my appointment. Um, and there was a pit. You, there's not that much there to say it's the old Hammer House, but there was there, there were a few like pictures up in the lobby, and there was one picture of um, Peter Cushing right. from uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, okay. like blatantly the famous one of him in his yeah. lab. Yeah. And uh, the caption underneath it was "Curse of Frankenstein." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> so they nearly cared about their Hammer <laughs> heritage. <laughs> They're, they got the Frankenstein bit right. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, um, 
So yes, yeah, so she's just married. Uh, the Frank, frankly, your point is a good one. That yeah. that it, it looks a bit nice for like three minutes because they're a happy young couple. But even even before, even if you didn't have the voiceover, it all turns pretty much to. Um, I'm not going to say the S word. I don't want to get marked for mature readers only. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it goes very badly sour wrong. Sour is what you were going to say. Exactly, sour. That's the S word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, they get to the new house, they go up the stairs, there's, there's a portrait of Herbert, <laughs> inexplicably a portrait of Herbert Lom. <laughs> it takes a good hour for, for, for there to be any reason for Herbert Lom's portrait to be on the wall. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that it looked that much like him. Well... I, it's difficult because this wasn't the first time I'd seen the film, so and of course I read the yeah. credits. So yeah. <laughs> Herbert Lom is second build, yeah, and um, so that's a portrait of Herbert Lom. Okay, and then uh, Wayward Baker, who was a very significant director of horror films, yeah. but not the world's most subtle director, no. just zooms in <laughs> repeatedly on this portrait. You know, um, I can't believe the zoom was ever fashionable, but um, it really zooms in, zooms in. The other hand gesture I'm making is like the yeah. zooming gesture, just to, um, for the benefit of listeners. For, for anyone who doesn't this. know what zoom means, but yes. I, I'm doing it repeatedly to <laughs> emphasise the um, the editing and directorial choices that are made, because yeah. we're zooming in on this, and for the first half an hour of the film, there must be 20 zoom shots such as zooming in yeah. onto this portrait. Yeah, there's, um, <laughs> jumping ahead, obviously, there's another um, particularly... Uh, Obvious zoom moment as well, where there's a bit where Ian Ogilvy, Lee's character, is is just about to recount something in his grandfather's past, and it's obvious you're going to go to a flashback because <laughs> there's a sudden kind of slow kind of zoom in <laughs> on on Ian Ogilvy's sort of face and that, and it just gives you the impression that, that yes, that's it's really obvious. There's a flashback coming. I'm sure I read a, a film manual like decades ago, and it said, right, basically never use no, the zoom. Yes, <laughs> and I think that was good advice. Yeah, <laughs> if only if only Robert Baker had seen it. Um, but he's not. Let's, let's get this straight though. He's not a terrible director. No, he isn't. Not any and there are some there are some nice bits in here in he, this film. I think that are nicely shot. I, I agree with you, and it's fair to say he's actually. Uh, a major horror director yeah. who made some really good horror films. Yeah. Uh, just before we move on, I want to say a word about Ian Ogilvy because you already mentioned that the historical setting, 1795, yeah. we talked about the music, but I know it's not the same period as Witchfinder General, but I was immediately reminded of Witchfinder General, which obviously starts off, well, that's green sleeves or something, isn't it, that that starts off with? Yeah. Um, well, uses as a recurring theme. And, um, I was instantly reminded of that. I and mean, when you see an inography, you just think, yeah, this is which they're going for. And, um, and there's even a reference when he's talking about um, his ancestors, because he's like, yeah. he oh, yeah, though, this is a fox hunter, and that was a witch hunter. You just think, <laughs> I didn't get that. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Which was, it was, quite, it was quite a good line, and I was just yeah. thinking that there's a bit of a witch fighter general vibe going on, and the whole tone of the see, film. See, I didn't uh, get that at all, but yeah. For me, on. the tone of this film is quite. Similar. I don't know. I don't know if Wood Baker had even seen it, but it just struck me as a bit. Yeah, um, see, I didn't get. It's that. in that vein to me. I did, more I did, than the, I did see Ian Ogilvy and think that guy's no saint. 
You probably did think that, and then you probably <laughs> laughed to yourself. What a good joke that was. And I did think for ages about how to fit that into this podcast. Yeah, and and now I'm going to have to explain to... You don't have to like explain. Like, 97, you know, because before there was a terrible Val Kilmer film, and, a brilli- and after there was a brilliant Roger Moore TV series, there was briefly something called The Return of the Saint, which I was ever seen, but we do know that Enoch will be playing Simon Tempter. Isn't it the same thing, team tune as the real? No. Is it? No. And well, I mean, it's much cooler. It's much more seventies. Those are two mutually exclusive sentences. <laughs> How could you put them together? <laughs> well, we're doing a podcast about old horror films, few of which are in the seventies that we we like. So. Well, yeah, but I don't. I don't extend that to. Um, actually, I do. I'm lying. I do like yeah, all, that, yeah. all that old TV as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Don't give me that. <laughs> I'm going to pretend, sit here and pretend I don't like Jason King. When I do, I obviously do. <laughs> yeah, that's that stuff was all brilliant. But anyway, let's return to British horror, and um, let's talk about the first horrific happening, apart from the zoo, which was pretty horrific. Yeah. Um, no, just staying on. Before we move on, just staying on that portrait bit right at the beginning, it it it, it did seem a bit odd to me when when that that started up because the portrait's in no way particularly horrific, but they just everyone just seems to be drawn to it, and there's like a I don't know, it's, it just it just was a bit odd. I thought at the beginning. Anyway, I realised that was a kind of non-point I was making then. As is so moving one. on. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Moving on to what you were saying. <laughs> um, the first horrific happening. Redeem yourself, Paul. What, what happens? Okay. I mean, basically, it's, it's literally as quick as she gets to the top of the stairs. Yeah. She goes into the the bridal suite and yeah. goes, "Oh, this is nice." And then Ian Ogilvy says something like, "Oh, I just need to, you know, uh, panel a note or something." I don't, I don't really understand where he goes, but um, he leaves. Catherine alone in the room and <laughs> um, it's hard to describe this actually for, for it is I'm, I'm just trying uh, okay. you, don't, you don't actually see you, I mean the window there's, uh, there's a window opens by, oh, is it open by itself no it does open by oh, itself oh yeah and then the door it gets locked by itself yeah and has there not been a bit before that though with the um, again with the painting on the stairs, isn't there the, the isn't the disembodied hand on the stairs? Yeah. I think I feel I'm feeling that that's the case. The, yeah, but there's a bit, isn't there a bit beforehand where she um, is staring at the painting, and and there's like a real sudden jump cut as as a hand sort of comes out of the painting and then she looks away. Doesn't that happen first? Yes, I'm, I'm, I definitely. Yeah, no, it does. Just checked. Um, and then then the hand is seen. Crawling on there. Uh, yeah. Can I just say about the hand? I think it's lovely to see a returning cast member from another Amicus film. Because is that not the hand that we saw in Doctor Terror? Pretty certain it's the same hand. Well, I'm almost certain that you're right. And um, so it's good that they they've kind of dug that out and thought, yeah, we can reuse that. I have a similar fact that that I will be returning to later on in the podcast. But 
of course, um, Amicus also made Asylum, one of their Portman yeah. two films, which I think has got us. It might not be Asylum, but I think it's Asylum that um, Richard Todd or somebody chops up his wife, yeah. and then the bits come back to get him. And one of those is a is a disembodied hand. Yeah, it's probably the same prop. Yeah, it'd be quite interesting to see how many times it crops up in Amicus <laughs> films. <laughs> the thing is, as well, is that there, there was definitely a bit of a genre of disembodied um, hand pa- parody. Wasn't it parodied in um, League of Gentlemen as well? Was it? Yeah, the you know the uh, the one the one armed joke shop owner gets an arm transplant. Oh yes, that's in the third series. Or is it? Is yeah, it? no, it's the third series. That happens where he, the arm comes back to him. Yeah. Yeah. League of Gentlemen, which we must cover one day. Yeah, we full of do. horror film references and yeah. horror. But but I mean I was I, I I'm sure there's absolutely loads of hand. The Beast um, with films. Five Fingers, that yeah. Peter Laurie film, that's, yeah. that's one, isn't it? Yeah. And of course, The Wicker Man has a Hand of Glory, which is slightly different, but... And there's a, there's, there's a, uh, there's definitely a remake of that, The Beast with Five Fingers as well. Uh, isn't there? That's called, um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's definitely the a remake it's of that. The Hand, it's called The Hand, it's got Michael Caine in, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure there's another version of it, there's a whole series <laughs> of them, and then Doctor Who obviously did a version as well, with, with, a, with just a hand as well, The Hand of Fear. So oh, the hand, the disembodied hand, was like it's definitely a horror theme. There's definitely a lot of horror films that have that. The hand of fear. That's Sarah Jane Smith's last story, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. There we go. The obligatory Doctor Who reference <laughs> shoehorned in there. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's. It, it, so I think it's quite interesting. Although this turns out not to just be a disembodied hand they're, film. They're probably using it because it was lying around. <clears throat> yeah. Although I don't know whether that that is uh, accurate to well, the or, novel, what it's based on. Although, no, I say that it is important to the plot. It is, but the um, but this yeah this this film is based on on a novel called Fen Griffin. Well, allegedly, it's apparently. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's in print these days. No, I can't imagine it was terribly good. No, um, I'm sure it wasn't, but. Um, that David Case, written, by, written by David Case, screenplay by Roger Marshall. Yeah. So whether that's um, neither of whom I've ever heard of. No. So whether that's uh, accurate to the book, I don't know. But I don't think anyone really cares. Um, Can we get back to the the events in the bedroom? Just yes. skirting around. We are. But then what happens is 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 Stephanie Beecham's in her, in her room. And suddenly, the hand clasps itself over, over, her, over, over, her, over mouth. her mouth, and then a, a stumpy arm holds the rest of her down, and then something we don't see happens. And, and Which then she's, is quite subtly done. Yeah. So you don't really and. Um, then the, at some point they're screaming and yeah, and, and they've locked the door. So um, well, the, yes, the door's yeah, locked. So it's over listen. Her husband rushes down, gets to like the a, other side of the house where there's an axe an on the axe wall, which he gets the floor and he, he he knocks down. So there you go. That's a piece mm. of advice: always have an axe close to your wife's bedroom, just in and, case. And, and, and um, strange disembodied. When he, when he finally gets in, he says, "What's wrong?" And she goes, uh, "Nothing," or something like that. 
Yeah. Um, and, and we move on. But, yeah, but really something very horrible has happened. Yeah. The, 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 the interesting thing about after, after this is that obviously everyone's aware that something's not quite right, but it becomes obvious that a lot of the maids and various people all have all know something. Yeah. Or are aware of something. And um, pretty soon she sees a ghost yeah. with, his eye, with the eyes yeah. um, gouged uh, out. Gouged out, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that kind of quite, quite a horrible grin. It's actually quite... I, I, I sort of found it quite quite a good mask. I presume it was a sort of mask thing the actor was wearing, but I, I thought it was quite well done. Yeah, I mean it's quite theatrical. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was fine. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. fine. I mean, I think the the problem for me is that there's no build up. No, no, there's, it's there's, just there's no, there's no there. Sort of um, nothing's implied. There's nothing left to the imagination. No, there's no, it's there's no like straight in with the full on paranormal activity. No, I think, I think, I think this is something that's a recurring thing throughout the film. Is that yeah, you're absolutely right. There's no real sort of build up to it. It's just there and. Then it's not there, but the, the film doesn't really try to create an atmosphere building up to it. it no, it doesn't. I think. Um, well, going back to Woodward Baker, I think he. I think he always saw these kinds of films as fantasy films. I think. It, I think. I, I think he referred to that. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen him say that in an interview. So he. He never really related it to the real world. I think. No. Um, he, what he liked to do were little touches of like ridiculous supernatural phenomena like um, in the vampire lovers Carmilla um, escapes having a knife thrown at her by just um, uh, basically teleporting away yeah. and in um, he was very proud of in Scars of Dracula getting Dracula to crawl down the wall yeah, um, and, and also um, getting him to um, Getting the doors to fly open for him as yeah. he walks into the room. So he was very. He, I think he I, I was think quite he technical. Liked them. He liked the technical. He liked, and, and he also liked the tricks. He liked the magic. Yeah, yeah. But but ne- I don't think he, I don't think he ever thought that these films related yeah. to the real world in any way. Well, never. Of course, he he also <laughs> did um, Quatermass in the Pit film, didn't he? As well. Yeah, but it. and he, again, he, that's in a different style. That yeah, that science fiction film, and because I, I rewatched that as part. But again, of the that's, same that's quite technical. And and I think there's lots of quite technical things in that that are quite well done. But it's set in the present day, and it, yeah. that that does relate to the yes. real world. So that that is probably, I mean, it's, it's one of his most um, celebrated films, and it probably yeah. shows him at his best. I think maybe, maybe he was more in sympathy with that kind of subject matter. Not that he didn't like this subject matter, but but to actually do a ghost film, he turns it into a monster film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so yeah, so basically, Stephanie Beecham's character is seeing lots of uh, unusual things. This this figure, and and he keeps appearing in the painting and very other, various other places. Uh, and, and, then, and she takes against one of the um, one of the locals, the the man well, who yeah. has a, so a she, cottage on the estate. So yeah, so she goes out for a walk. She meets here. She goes to the sort of local graveyard. Um, which I think it must be the, the family, estate, family burial, burial site, site. Yeah. and um, 
she um yeah she's there she's sort of suddenly met by this guy who looks pretty creepy and horrible um called silas silas yeah yeah and he is a sort of woodsman-y well, type person that lives in a house on the estate, and everyone's a bit cagey about why he's there and what what he's what what why why he's allowed to live there and what he does and he sort of leers and is insubordinate. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And I thought I thought again that was another interesting, weird stylistic choice, just just from from a film point of view that the little graveyard area is, is fenced off. Uh, and, and when she arrives there, there, there's kind of little patches of fog, but they're they're entirely contained within the graveyard, <laughs> which I thought was a really odd <laughs> choice because it was it's, again it's another bright sunny day. There's lots of quite bright weather in this film, it, 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 and, and again this scene is shot in broad daylight, nice sunny weather, and yet in this this graveyard there's these sort of patches of fog that are just specifically there it's, it's a really odd yeah, it's fantasy isn't it I mean yeah it's almost like it's it's like he's gone right it's a graveyard so it's got to be fog because <laughs> in gothic horrors graveyards have fog but we've also got this rolling English countryside yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll have that in the same shot yeah, yeah you're right, right you're right it's, like, it's, it's really it's odd because you can do that because it's not really a graveyard I mean it's like a, a mini graveyard isn't it yeah yeah um, so so yeah so she meets Silas he's he's very leery and she goes to see him in his cottage yeah so she does that later and but he's he's worse if anything yeah and he plays like silly games with her because she she's I think she goes there convinced that he's only going to have one hand and then he's hiding he, his hands yeah and yeah. he hides his hands deliberately so at that point we, we know that he's in some way um knows something about this 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 ghost that she's been seeing because of that and he seems to know about her and he's generally a bit creepy and we're, we're sort of supposed to assume that she's the that he's the the bad guy it's it's true um and um, Which oh one word about Silas yeah. he's played by Jeffrey Whitehead, Whitehead yeah who um, it's unrecognisable here but familiar to comedy fans as uh, um, in his older because he's still acting now seventy five yeah. now I think yeah. and um, you know he, he's in lots of comedy he he looks a bit like Jeffrey Baldwin whose name is very similar to so I yeah. sometimes confuse them. But um, he he he's the dad or the father-in-law, not going out yeah. among many other things. Yeah, he was in the Reggie Perrin remake. Uh, what else is various other things? Yeah, various other things. Yeah. Worst week of my life. Yeah, I think again, father-in-law. Oh, oh yes, he's the dad, father-in-law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, how interesting. <laughs> yes, no, he appears in lots of things. Normally, as some, he's normally quite a well-to-do uh, person. Tends to play kind of disapproving father-in-law. Yes, that seems to be what he specialises in. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> that's much later in his career. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think 
let's skip skip on if you don't mind in the another screen starts plot yeah there was another thing that, that, that I, I did think was just instantly made me suspicious there were two outside guarding the entrance of the house two rock pilers and given that a, a little while ago we watched the omen that that kind of uh I was instantly suspicious about rock violence or something. Me too. These may, be, these may possibly be the same actual dogs. They might be, yeah. <laughs> there can't be too many performing rock violence <laughs> in the early to mid-70s. No. <laughs> uh, yes. But I th- what I want to skip on to is that it's revealed by Patrick McGee yeah. that um, Catherine is pregnant. Yeah. It actually has quite a good line. Because um, he's yeah, taken, no, he he's does, taken yeah. ill, and he, he says, "Well, it could be two things: yeah. a boy or a girl." Yeah. <laughs> that was quite good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, unfortunately, Inogvi uh, and um, Stephanie Beecham are actually more horrified than delighted yeah. with this news because, uh, well, because it's a curse, but also because of the events in the bedroom. Yeah. So um, yeah, so Patrick McGee is. Um, playing a doctor again in this I think last time we saw him was in Die Monster Die and he was playing a doctor then is that right? was he in Die Monster Die? yeah I think so <laughs> I, I think so he played the doctor didn't he that was um, the the alcoholic oh uh, yes and he has about like three lines or something you're, the, you're completely right but we, we will be seeing more of him because he he pops up in just about every well quite a lot of British horror films around this time. Tales from the Crypt, Asylum, The Mask of the Red Death, yeah, Skull, yeah, yeah. He um, and he's most so. well known now to non aficionados of British horror as the guy from Top of Courage. Yeah, the old guy that gets beaten up. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm a really good actor. I think we've said before. Really, really like him. The classic supporting actor. Yeah. And it, this is a uh, this is a sympathetic role. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he is he is sympathetic. And hmm. um, obviously, he want he he know he's knows the secret as well. And um, yeah, but uh, the, the the thing is, there's a curse. No, no one can tell. Um, because it, it really yeah. ramps up after she's pregnant she's yeah. really desperate to know what the secret is but no yeah, one can tell her no. and people start to try and tell her and they all yeah. get killed yeah so yeah. the first one that gets killed is the family solicitor yes lawyer Maitland yeah whose title appears to be lawyer which is ridiculous yeah <laughs> I don't really get that maybe in the 18th century they would and he, he, he goes to he's going back to the house to try and I think to persuade Ian Ogilvy to tell her that what the uh the curses, and, and then he gets a nice hatchet to the head. He does. <clears throat> Interesting, I thought that that the the wound on his head where he'd been hit with the axe was in the same place that Silas has his birthmark, which we didn't mention before. Yeah. Oh yeah, Silas, yeah, he has a yeah, big birth. Has a big birthmark on the side of his face, yeah. um, which um, birthmarks, of course, not hereditary. But no. for the purposes of this film, they are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but um, yes. So, so that's from the word go. You kind of 
because there's no explanation given to the fact that he's got this birthmark, it does suggest that it's going to be significant in some way, because we already have it. But yeah, I just thought it was quite interesting that the, the, his wound, is, the, the lawyer's wound, is, is in roughly the same place. And I don't know if that's intentional or, or if that was just a... Well, Silas is promptly questioned on suspicion of murdering the yeah. lawyer Maitland, but there's no evidence against him. No. I think... I think uh, the magistrate says, you've got an axe. And he says, well, everyone's got an axe. And yeah. fair enough. Yes. <laughs> it's 1863. It's kind of, it's, yeah, it's kind of very uh, circumstantial evidence, isn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, Silas is off the hook for that one. Yeah. But then um, the housekeeper tries to help by trying to yeah. get getting her a book. And, uh, that, that, yeah. he's, and then uh, she promptly falls down the stairs or breaks her neck. Yeah. Um, after Quite a good fool, I thought. Yeah, there's a few good falls in there. It's actually, the lawyer falls off his horse, and that, that's done quite well. There's some good stunt work, actually. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. But yeah, she she gets she falls down the stairs in quite a super there's like a supernaturally wind type way. So it's not not in an omen type way where you might think that the uh, that it was an accident. It's very clearly not. But that's true, and. Um, Patrick McGee, he he's tried. He he. Uh, well, well. No, okay, so we're quite a long way. We're halfway into the film now, yeah. and she's pregnant, and she's hysterical, scared. Yeah, she's haunted. still seeing lots of apparitions. Patrick McGee can't help her. People are dropping down no. dead. Um, so um, in Ogilvy, so, who, who so you think might be in on it, or might you yeah, know? Because he, 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 he well, he, he just. Maybe he doesn't care what's going to happen to his wife, or maybe he does. You don't know. But um, they, they um, would length think they need to get some help in, and not yeah. before time, because you're about, about forty-five minutes, fifty minutes in, I think. And and, and obviously, um, Peter Cushing and Herbert Lom haven't actually appeared on no. screen yet. No. <laughs> um, and in fact, actually, in my notes when I was watching this, I I, I did actually write. Um, yeah, we'd actually got to that point. I actually wrote. Um, where's Peter Cushing? Because he hadn't appeared yet. And then literally a few minutes later, he, he turns up. Yes, he, he's playing Dr. Pope, a kind of yeah. psychiatrist, although they wouldn't have used that term. No. Um, and he, he, well, he's kind of playing a variant on Van Helsing. He, he, do you think? Because well, do you know what? He, uh, he struck me as almost immediately. What did he strike you as? Sherlock Holmes. Ah. Oh. Well, I can I obviously. It just really, really, because he comes in and he's very, kind of looking around, getting, get, get. He, he, he just does it. I think he does it in a very Holmesian way. He asks some very pertinent questions. Yeah. Obviously, by it's. I mean, this man's famous for both roles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, there's a mix of both because, but he's he's very matter of fact. He doesn't believe really in. Supernatural stuff. Well, I think there's a, there's a proper explanation for it, which again is another kind of reason why it, it, it made me think of Sherlock Holmes as well. And his role is he's sort of a detective in it, at least initially. I, well, I think he, I think he, well, you know, you know I, you, is he a detective or or is? to fight the evil I think 
you kind of think he's turned up to fight it, but well, he, you do, he, but he more, he more. But that's he, because you're, you're the. Um, that's because you're thinking, hey, this guy normally does this, turns up and battles the. And he's certainly a, the evil, a good character. He is investigating yeah, it, yeah. but ultimately, maybe you're right. Maybe he's just there to explain what's going on. Yeah, he's he's there to 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 wrap it up and, and explain what's happening. And of course, as soon as he turns up, there's no need for Patrick McGee's character anymore. No. So he probably dies. Yeah, he, he dies. Well, uh, he's he's just about to tell Peter Cushing's character that he's just about to tell him what the, the the curse is and what the problem is and all this sort of stuff, and and he does a classic kind of kills in mid mid sentence, which I'm sure is something that's been parodied to death in many kind of whodunit type comedy sketches. Um, yeah, it's I mean, one of those real cliche things. Yeah, I, mean, I um, think there's some kind of implication that the hands attacked him, but it's. it's well, no, it, it is. No, it's not an implication because you, you, you see the, the hand. hand well, you it see jumps up onto him, and then it's not there, but then that's how it works. Yeah. For, for everybody. Yeah, and then it's described to being a horse attack. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, there's now been quite a lot of deaths in this house, so you, you can't really attribute them all to, to accidental things. And, and uh, Dr. Pope is pretty horrified by everything, and he convinces um, Ian Ogilvy, right, uh, Lord Fengriffina. Yeah. Like, look, you basically have to tell me what's going on for two reasons. Yeah. I need to know in order to help your wife, and B, it's really high time we told the audience what the actual <laughs> yeah, we need to move the point plot of this on. film is. <laughs> so, Ian Ogilvy finally relents. And recounts this story about his grandfather. Yeah. Um, I forget. Cue, his, cue the zoom in I mentioned earlier. Um, his grandfather's called Henry Van Riffen, isn't he? Well, and, 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 and I'm just thinking, you must have, I'm yeah. sure you thought at this point, wait a minute, this is Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes. It's, it's even the same name. This is Hound of the Baskervilles. So, and hence again, another reason why the Sherlock Holmes yeah. thing. Um, and it, so, basically, basically um, this this Lord Henry guy is exactly yeah, like Sir Lord Henry, Henry Baskerville. Bas- <laughs> Lord Henry Pangerford or Sir Henry Baskerville. They're exactly the same. So, it's, and in the, yeah. in the Hammer film, the sequence is the, well, the whole flashback sequence in the Hammer film is more or less the same. Yeah. There's not much difference. Um, but what happens is, Sir Henry's having a big party with yeah, all his... Yeah, he, he, he was not behemoth. well liked because he used to let debauchery... And yeah, sadly there's no real action Not that we see much in the way of debauchery. There's a few people who appear to be cuddling and drinking a bit of ale. Yeah. Um, Yards of ale. But then they decide to intrude on the wedding night of um, yeah. the local woodsman, yeah. who's Silas Senior. So yeah. Same actor, looks the same, but actually yeah. allegedly the yeah. father. Yes. And um, the bad Lord Henry decides to go and have his way with the wife. Yeah. Uh, As was apparently a tradition, according to this. It was a tradition that the, 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 the Lord of the Manor could, could have his way with any. I don't know. Well, I, I suspect that's not real. It's in several other films, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's in, I think it's, is it in Braveheart. I don't know. I've not no, actually watched Braveheart, but I think I heard it was. Um, but yeah, so there's a there's a, a sort of a rape scene, and yeah. Silas 
I say sort of, but it is actually rage, it's quite, but yeah, you don't really see much. You don't see anything, but it's still quite horrible. Yeah, well, of course, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's, it's still quite a horrific scene. Yeah, it had to, it would have to be. But, but yeah, Silas basically gets, gets into trouble because he's trying to, he's actually resisting all of this and he's, he's sort of. And, um, he tries to hit or something. Yeah. Lord Henry and he says, "Right, that's twice you've raised your hand to me. There won't be a third time." Yeah. And he basically chops off his Locks hand. his hand off. And and this, and this kind of explains the disembodied yeah. hand and yeah. the the, and the then, stump. And then as the, he goes to the stump. Yeah, and as Lord Henry leaves, Silas basically effectively curses him. Yeah. And says that he'll come back and have his have his vengeance or whatever. Well, basically, his vengeance on the first. Yeah. Virgin Bride that comes to yeah. Ben Griffin Hall. Yeah. Can I just point out that, that when he has his hand cut off, there's not an awful lot of blood because I think it would bleed a bit more than that. There's a little bit of Kensington gore it's around. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not much. And secondly, um, Silas doesn't seem to be in too much pain. <laughs> he seems quite almost a bit. It's like it's like he's kind of just trodden his toe or something. Sort of not really... Well, I thought it was again a bit Well, odd. it had to be coherent to give well, the yeah, curse. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyway, that, that's the end of the flashback. Yeah, the yeah, and the end of Herbert, Herbert Long, Long Banks's yeah. check. I mean, this is all... Exactly. I, I, it looks to me like two days filming. Not bad for second build. I don't yeah. think he paid too much for it, but I guess it was... Um, and, and there was a... Yeah, it probably bought him a new car or something. Oh, this... By the early 70s, this kind of thing happened a lot. Because, um, you know, because the, these films only took five or six weeks to yeah. to, to, to film. Yeah. But the, the stars, the ones with the proper was, money. Was, what was her that Long mainly famous for at that point? Was he? I think the Pink Panther. I, I was trying to think, had, he, had they been done yet, the Pink Panther films? I'm trying to remember when they were. I, yeah, this is, yeah. The, I mean, he, he must have been famous. He's famous enough to get second billing on, and for, for a f- Five minute long. I have some difficulty with Herbert Lom though because I, I I don't always like his performances. I think he's great in this. Yeah, yeah. I think he's fan- fantastic in this, but I I don't always like that well, kind of acting. Phantom of the Opera, someone, just to wind you up because I know you get wound up about that film. <sighs> it winds me up because it's just so misconceived. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he's blatantly not a very good choice to be the Phantom of the Opera and it doesn't and and that was his that was a big flop and that was his um, yeah. big like starring horror role I think and he's more of a supporting actor apart from that unless I'm forgetting I think he's in quite a lot of horror films but I don't yeah. really remember anything as particularly major apart from the Phantom of the Opera no Maybe I'm just forgetting a lot of films I don't like, but <laughs> yeah, possibly. Don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. So we now know that the the, the horrible ghost with with the disembodied hand is the original Silas. Well, well, we think that, but I don't think that's actually the case. No. No, and this takes me to well. I, the, the thing I like the most about this film because right. it's the most sophisticated thing in this film. So you do not... Because why has the guy got no eyes? Why is... 
why is the ghost um, because Silas said alright he got his hand cut off but, yeah. but he didn't die okay he isn't like uh, he didn't poke through the eyes and killed by, his, okay. by uh, Lord Henry because it says uh, it all could be then explains in a kind of epilogue yeah. well actually the, like um, Lord, Lord Henry actually started to feel really bad about this and he tried to make up for it yeah. um, and he actually gave Silas the cottage in perpetuity yeah. and um, Silas had a son like the the, the Silas's wife um, I think she was called Sarah yeah she actually goes mad and dies but then yeah. he obviously gets married again because like 20 years after these events he has a son Silas Junior yeah. who is the Silas that has been in the film yeah. so far Obviously, they look the same. So I've got the same birthmark. They yeah. both got the bad, well, the disfiguring birthmark. Yeah. Um. So, then, the the, the thing is that with the curse, the, the the kind of as the film progresses, it's not um, Peter Cushing trying to fight the ghost. It's it's okay. Whose baby is it? Yeah. Because. The first scene, which is quite like you're not really sure what's going on, it might just be normal, like, like yeah. a haunting scene, but but um, it becomes increasingly like, was that a rape scene? Yeah, is that kind of revenge rape? Yeah, um, and and then you go to the birth of the baby, and yeah. sure enough, the baby's got the birthmark and actually got one, one yeah, hand. yeah, and then in a fit of insane anger, because in Ogilvy, who's yeah. actually not evil. So you kind of think you th- think he was evil and stuff and maliciously knowing that she was in danger and in danger anyway because he didn't care. Yeah. But actually, he's just a rationalist and didn't believe the curse. And yeah. then he has this moment of it's all true. Yeah. And in absolutely insane anger, he goes to Silas's house and sh- says, "I should have shot you, killed you years yeah. ago," and just shoots him in the face and actually yeah. blows out both of his eyes. And so the ghost. Is kind of both Silas's or or, or the new Silas, the younger right. one, or, or what? I think that's really good. Okay. Because that, yeah. that that those injuries were in the future. That ghost. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a. So, you, perhaps the ghost that she's seeing with the face and the eyes missing is the younger Silas, and perhaps the hand is from the older Silas. Well, well, I mean, because the ghost has also got a disembodied hand. I think. I think it's like. No, I don't know. That, I don't think we see that, do we? Uh, well, I think I have a feeling that we do. We have to recheck that, but oh, right. I, I'm not sure. I don't I, remember I, seeing. I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I, but I think there's a very strong okay, undercurrent that the older Silas and the younger Silas are the same person. Yeah. And and the re- the reason that. The younger Silas knows everything that's going on is because he is the older Silas, yeah. and, well, he's, I and, he's, and he's in league with the ghost. If he's not actually the ghost, yeah, because that's the only way. Because he he knows she's pregnant, and he knows that the baby's um, gonna be yeah. um, his child. But but also, we don't think there's no real implication that that the ghost thing is all crap, and that he's actually just physically raped. <laughs> yeah, um, and that so. Um, it is supernatural um, and that's basically it because then um, in all he just goes mad and starts smashing up his grandfather's yeah. grave and then yeah. desecrating the body and yeah. uh, Dr. Pope tries to stop him but can't so she just go, he just goes uh, 
<laughs> goes back to the house and sends the servants yeah, off. Says, yeah. uh, he's in there, he's mad and dangerous. Yeah. Get the authorities to take him And then, then there's this then there's this scene um which is the only scene of anything like resembling depth in the film. Right. Yeah. Which which is right at the end where Stephanie Beach and she knows, she understands that the baby is like the ghost's baby. Yeah. And the project of obviously revenge for. Uh, I think she's overheard the story. So yeah. She knows yeah, the story. Yeah. And stuff. But she, she's kind of like, she rejects the baby and then sort of. Yeah. Doesn't. And then no. it's like, it's like, oh, well, it's still my baby. And, and then there's that kind of thing. And that's, that's, that's basically where the film ends. Yeah. And that's. I mean, that. The whole thing, I mean, you should. I don't think um, sexual violence has any place in these horror films. It's no. far too complicated uh, an issue for uh, a piece of. for this kind of film. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's quite a good character moment at the end, and it's done quite well. Stephanie Beaton is a real actress. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there have been glimpses. Yeah. There have been glimpses that there's a real proper film here. Yeah, but there's also, but um, no. I think that that that's the case with the defence, that kind of stuff. Well, I, 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 she's the same thing as you. I actually really like that last scene, and I really like the uh, that bit where she holds the baby, mm. and, it, and it, you've got a bit of a close up on her eyes and her face. She's kind of clearly saying, "Right, this is my baby," but but there's like a sort of crazed look to her eyes, like about it. But because she knows what's happened, she's been the yeah. victim. Of horrible assault. I think she's she also, also she always knew that. I think. Yeah. I think as well. She's just trying to think of the baby-proofing nightmare of having a, a baby with a disembodied hand that's probably crawling around somewhere. Well, yeah, and just you know the, the 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 health and safety implications of that it would just be a nightmare, wouldn't it? I think that is the major aspect of the film yeah, that's ignored. So, yeah, the fact that that you can't baby-proof a, a house against. A baby with a hand that's probably crawling around all over the place. Because yeah, we'll just go through the stair gate. Well, just... <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need to try and figure out the the, the annoying mechanism yet. Yeah, just walk through there. It's, it's a nightmare. There are even those things that cause stop the cupboards from opening all the way. Hand, little disembodied hand, easily get in there. Can I return <laughs> the subject now to British horror films? <laughs> um, there's so, a horror film in that somewhere. I've I've got this book, uh, the Peter Cushing Companion by David Miller, um, yeah. which is a complete overview of Cushing's career, as you might yeah. expect. I, I I I usually look up the section about the, the the film if we're covering a Peter Cushing film. Yeah, I've got a Christopher Lee book and a Price got book. Has one one line on it? This film. They pretty much only have a few paragraphs each. Okay, it's like got about two career, words. Career <laughs> overview. Why don't I tell you? I mean, I don't usually. I, I don't. No, go on. I just, I just thought this was, this was pretty, pretty funny. So I, um, so I went for this. Um, so they, it starts off with some interesting stuff about when it, when and where it was filmed. It's fil- filming began seventeenth of July, nineteen seventy-two, at Shepperton, yeah. with Oakley Court standing in the Sven Griffin family par, where we knew that. Tra la 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 la. Some plot stuff. Um, so, and then basically it says, <laughs> Cushing's scenes with 
beats him a touching, which we sort of said, yeah. but the film is repetitive and wearing. Fair enough. <laughs> and then basically, that's that's um, all the some anecdote about how what Peter Cushing couldn't make eye contact with people behind the cameras after it. And then, a fantastic piece of trivia: the wig he's wearing. Yeah. He liked it so much that he persuaded Hammer to rehire it for his next film, which was Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Hell. Yeah. I thought it looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that 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 wig does look a bit like that. No, it was it was like um. There's a, there's a letter which um, obviously David Miller's yeah. got access to um, from the Hammer Archive, which is from Cushing to yeah. Roy Skeggs, who by that time yeah. was senior in Hammer, saying, <laughs> they're keeping the wig for me, could you go and get it back and we'll have it in my next film? <laughs> so, yeah. so there we go. So that's really cool. So they reused the hand from yeah. earlier and then Cushing reuses the wig. Yeah. And, and all the no sets way. are very re- reused as well in this, but obviously lit quite well so it doesn't look well but then that's standard anyway so yeah no that's great gotta, gotta love that yeah yeah there's a, a lot of recycling done yeah in British exactly Hall. okay then well, well should we get on to the uh the questions i've got nothing else to say on this no Okay, so did you like this film, Chris? Yeah. Well, I, I always like these. I mean, I'm not going to not like a Peter Cushing horror film okay, in the no. classic era. Yes. Okay. Did you like it, Paul? I thought it was a bit boring. Did I was so kind of a bit, eh, about it. It livened up a bit when Peter Cushing turned up. Because it got me in a whole Sherlock Holmes thing. Or Van Helsing thing. Yeah, or Van Helsing <laughs> thing. No, it, was, it, it, was, it was great, but kind of, it, it doesn't... It doesn't really build to anything, and there's not really no. any real scares, or it, it's just... Well, it builds to that... I mean, the whole film does build really. to that psychological moment well, it does. with Steffi Beecham at yeah. the end of the baby, but it's not a showdown. You, no. There's no... There's no sort of... There's kind of a lack of any action, I suppose. I don't know, and it doesn't always need to be, but... I think this, I was, I think was, this was always a ghost story not a monster film and so I think um, yeah pro- pro- probably Roy Will Baker was the wrong choice as the yeah. director for this it, although it, I like it, 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 it does a good yeah. job but I think well, what it, yeah, it's what the it wrong needs angle to do, it's, it's a ghost film so it needs it, it, it needs that 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 quality to it though, where, where where somebody can direct it and build that creepy atmosphere build some tension build some tension so you're actually sitting there watching it thinking you know, waiting for that that jump, that scare. Whereas they just come out of nowhere, and they're a bit like, "Yeah, all right, yeah." And then it's back to everything being the same. There's no, you know, it, I agree. It, it needs that 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 M R James sort of ghost story touch, that that building it up. I I, I do. And, and I think, although it's only an hour and a half, I think it, it it's a film that's too long as well. I think they could really do with. It, it could really have done with being sort of 50 minutes or something. Well, I, I think why well, you, you say that is because they obviously could only afford Peter Cushing for three weeks. Or well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and those are the good bits. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I like Inogby, but it's not but the then, same. But then the other thing about it as well is that it, it, you, you touched on it earlier when you were saying it's the only bit of the film with any depth. And I think you're right. And I think that it, it, despite having some good actors in there, and, and Stephanie Beecham is a very good actress, 
And mm, I agree. But her her role has no substance to it, really. She's she's just she's you don't. Bef- she's trapped in a horror stereotype. Yeah, and you don't know, and you don't. Yeah, and you don't get to know her in any sense at all before she starts. Um, the the weird stuff happens and she starts getting a bit cranky. Mm. And, oh, and so and so it's really although horrific things happen to her it's really hard to have any real sympathy necessarily for her because because you you don't know anything about that character okay. and I wonder if that's partly I know we j- were saying earlier about it the, the voiceover at the beginning it, I, it, I almost wonder if if that was the point of that as well it's sort of like a little way of trying to Tell you she's the main character. Tell her she's the main character and she's a bit human and and there, there's something to her, like almost like a little bit of background. But I, th- it I think that's really right. Work. This film needed to focus much more strongly on her, on her past, on her background. Yeah, she's got an aunt in this. Yeah, who you don't even realise it's her aunt until there's a point where she's saying, "Right, we're leaving." Oh, and then she dies. Yeah, I forgot. And then she dies. Yeah. yeah, but you're sort of thinking, oh, "I didn't even know about her." That's we know right. we know nothing about any of these characters, and nothing happens in this film that gives you anything about any of these characters, their past or any anything to make you care about them. And you're, that's ultimately the. You're quite right, but there is a lot to enjoy in this film. If you like these, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone <laughs> who wasn't already no, uh, no. like a, a big fan of. The, the horror films of this era, but, yeah. but they, they, there's stuff to enjoy if you are. Lots of stuff yeah. to enjoy. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, so the, next question. So, so does it? Is it a film that holds up no. today? No, no, unfortunately not. Uh, all that zooming, it's not very. Yeah. It doesn't really stand up. A lot of the time, though, a lot of the time, it looks really nice. There's lots of really nice shots when he's not zooming. There's some nice uh, higher shots that are shot through the, the 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 banisters in the stairs and stuff like that, which is which is which is good. I agree. So so yeah, so it does it does look. If it, a slightly classier approach, and it would be timeless. It'd be like the innocence. Yeah. It, yeah. Would, it, would, it would it would it would look as fresh today as it yeah. did then. But yeah, just, it's just date a few kind of silly things. Date it. Yeah. But it's it's a, it's a bit of an odd film, generally, because it, it, it has well, that... Amicus aren't really known for It has that of sort of style of almost like a Pride and Prejudice type thing, almost, but with, with little pockets of supernatural stuff. If you think of Amicus movies, they're, they're best known for the Poor Man 2 films, yeah. but even, even their feature-length... Um, Single stories—they're not like this. It's, no. this, this was a departure. This is quite an odd, yeah, it's a bit of an odd. But I think it also suffers from being at the end. I mean, came out in '73. That's you're 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 getting yeah. to the end. It's also not that innovative compared to a lot of other things that are going on. We're talking about you know the Wicker yeah. Man and Don't Look Now and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. so, so 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 other people are playing with the genre. A lot more now. Yeah. So it, it's it, it's a it, uh, no, it doesn't hold up. It's a curiosity. No. And um, do we even need to say is it is it scary? No, it's not not scary. No, it's not. No. Which is a shame because it could it could be, but it's not. 
I did, did think right at the beginning, with the moment where she stares at the the, the painting, the, the hand sort of comes out of the painting and it cuts away. I thought that was a, a decent enough little jump, sort of uh, shock there. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't do anything like that ever again in the whole film. It's it's all very. It doesn't really have any proper scares. No, you get the um, the ghost outside the window several times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Not, not I mean, scary. I still would recommend anyone to watch it, but um, if they like this kind of film. Incidentally, what do you reckon the title refers to? I think it's generic. Because um, just. Do you, do you think it has any bearing on the actual? Any well, she does scream. She does do a lot of screaming. She does do a bit of screaming. Yeah, I think. I think. Um, I mean, and now the screaming starts. I think it works quite well with that final scene, where she's got the baby. The baby yeah, but I think it, I don't. And, I mean, in the it refers to anything. I, I mean, literally, babies screaming up. But <laughs> <laughs> actually, that baby's is supernaturally quiet. But no, no, just I'm just thinking that because it no, focuses yeah, on the eyes at the end, and she looks kind of to be honest, like I, she's holding it all in. And I, I, wonder, I think you're I'm probably actually, reading too much. Well, into no, it. that's actually a better idea than I yeah. think that was their idea. Yeah. Because um, and now the screaming starts as the very end. It's a great idea, but yeah. I don't, I don't see the ending leading into that. No. What I, what I see is um, probably um, that title refers to like the. The ghostly rape scene at the beginning, <laughs> and now the screaming starts because she does that. That's yeah, the, she does actually that scream. When the screaming yeah, yeah. Starts. yeah. So, no, but, so I, I think your idea was better. But I, I really, I thought it, it fit really nicely that last bit. Oh. Like it's like the internal screaming. I, I thought that worked really well. I, I don't. I, yes, but I, to be honest. I think I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's. I didn't, I think I didn't it, get that because because she's not. No. She's actually been more unhappy in yeah. the like half hour before that scene than yeah. she is in that scene, so uh, it doesn't quite work. But yeah. it, would, it, it could have been made to work like that. Yeah. It would have been good. But, but, uh, but uh, I mean, Amicus, it's just an exploitation title. Yeah, the, Fed Griffin sounds rubbish. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think they did things like what was it Madhouse had nothing to do with any. I mean, Madhouse yeah. was just slightly changing Asylum, and asy- yeah. Asylum was actually set in an Asylum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Um, oh, um, From Beyond the Grave. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're quite good at those sort of out there, yeah. obviously exploitation titles. Yeah. Well, maybe that was just one they had on the shelf that they hadn't used yet. Thought, good, yeah. good, good question, but I think... I'll we'll take, take that, use that. Okay then, right, I think that wraps up. I think the screaming can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, Chris, you can tell us what we're going to be doing next time. Yeah, um, we're going to go back to the early 70s and we're going to look at a, an episode of the television series Dead of Night. But the episode we're going to look at is not the famous one. It's which is the exorcism, um, because we, we might look at that some other time, but we're going to actually look at an episode called Return Flight. Ah, sounds interesting. I'm very interested because I haven't seen this, however... And I haven't seen it either, so...
no. So um, <laughs> we we picked this because well we we we'll, we'll talk about it next time. But um, it's I I always like it when we're going to watch something that neither of us have seen. Yeah. <laughs> no. It'll be good. Yeah, and please okay. do join us for that. Yeah, and if you want to talk to us about this, our choice, and you want to join in with any conversations and, and make any points about um, Now the Screaming Starts or, or um, Return Flight, then you can contact us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash a very British horror, or on our Twitter feed, which is at Brit Horror, at Very Brit Horror, so I get that right. Uh, or, or you can email us at a very British Horror at gmail.com. And just a word on this, please, please, please do come and like our Facebook page and and interact with us on Twitter and by email because otherwise it's just us talking and yeah. we we really we I'd like to know whether my views are in tune with yeah. what other people think about these films or whether I'm just like well, on, yeah, on my exactly. own. We, like, want, we, want, we want to know if if what we're doing is 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 the right thing, if, we do, if we're getting it right or if, you know, we're not and what we can do, if there's any different things you'd like to hear or any suggestions for anything we might want to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So Otherwise, we're just doing this in a vacuum and... Uh, well, we just assume that everyone loves it. The, the stats do indicate that people are downloading this, so I think I hope, I hope there are hello to all people listening to this, and please come and get in touch. But regardless of whether you do or not, we'll be back with the next episode shortly. We will be. But until we are, I have been Chris Denton. And I'm still Paul Monk. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs>